Empire. Can we get that stream up to speed? We don't measure our streaming from the broadcast because the broadcast is delayed. We measure our streaming from the actual field. And if you go to our website, there's a study that we just did on latency, and that's measured from the field of play. So where I think we came in at about 400 milliseconds, which is not even a half a second. That's Jed Korenthal, CMO at Phoenix, who is trying to help streaming technology match the speed of the game with the viewing experience. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Ratings are continuing to go down for major sporting events. See the recent dip in a Super Bowl where, by virtue of a pandemic, more TVs should have been tuned in, right? Those numbers are always a little deceiving as they don't really account for streaming and engagement. And on the streaming front, while a transition to this preferred method of consumption grows, there is still an issue of lag time, which Jed Korenthal hopes to solve. Our guest this week is Jed Korenthal, who is the CMO at Phoenix, P-H-E-N-I-X, which is a real-time streaming platform that delivers a stream with sub-second latency without sacrificing the quality or the scale. Think we're getting rid of the delay. Hey, Jed, how are you? Great to meet you. Great to meet you, Brian. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, At the time of us taping this, the Super Bowl recently occurred. And there was an issue. Most people are still watching it on linear television. But as you and I both know, that is quickly, quickly changing. And the stream version of big events, let alone any event, is imperative. And there's a delay. So what are you going to do about it? It's not only that there's a delay, there's a significant delay. And it's uh, what, what, you know, so the past three years, we've done this latency test where we've um, basically taken six or eight different uh, uh, platforms that are streaming the game and compare them to what we use from a streaming technology standpoint and the broadcast and the actual action on the field. And what is probably the most amazing thing of all of this is that in the past three years, no, none of nothing's really changed much in terms of what these platforms are offering. Um, they're all delayed anywhere from 20 to 90 seconds behind the field of play. Meaning if you and I were watching the game, um, we'd be 30, 40, 50 seconds behind the play that actually happened. So, you know, you're almost, you're almost at a point where you can't have a second screen, you know, in your hand or something else because one of your friends is tweeting you, or you're getting a push notification that, you know, Gronk just scored that second touchdown or whatnot, and you haven't even seen the play yet. So it's really unfortunate, but that's the state uh, that we're living in, or that's the state we have been living in. Um, I do feel a sort of um, the tides are changing a little bit, and I and I think that um, that is the next you know year or so. So can you take me back a little bit, and can you explain why that happens? Why is there this delay? So streaming basically comes in two different ways. You can stream content two different ways. The more traditional way and the more 
um, common way is through this older um, technology called that's, that's called HLS. It stands for HTTP Live Streaming. And it was developed, an Apple-based product that was developed about 15 or 17, 18 years ago. And it really was developed for data, but it has been kind of used now for video streaming. And um, most people, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, FUBU, um, you know, everybody pretty much that you've heard of uses this form of technology to do their streaming. And that is because it reaches is designed to reach a large audience at broadcast quality, which it does, you know, pretty well. Um, however, what it doesn't do is it doesn't stream like you and I are streaming in real time. So about seven or eight years ago, Google came up with a different type of technology called WebRTC, which stands for Web Real-Time Communication. And the goal of that was to develop a technology where people can stream and talk to each other in real time, like you and I are talking right now. Uh, and as you can see, it works pretty well. Um, the downside of that technology when it was first built was that it was not built to scale, meaning if we had, you know, a thousand people join us on this Zoom call, we would be out of luck. It would just start to break down and degrade and ultimately just fade. It would just, it would go bad. So, um, so what our founder did, uh, he made a bet about six years ago. He said, look, there are these two technologies out there. I believe people are going to want to stream their content, especially sports, in real time. So he had to figure out a way to, you know, to change the technology and make it scale. So he reverse engineered it. He basically like, like imagine you're a mechanic and you take your car and you and you break it down part by part and then rebuild it up again. That's what he did with this technology. Only this time he rebuilt it so it would scale. So now we have a product, which is what we have right now, that allows us to stream in the latency that you and I are seeing right now, which is probably less than half a second. Um, but we can do that to millions of people all around the globe while maintaining this same delay or same latency. So we now can stream events like the Super Bowl or the World Cup or the Olympics potentially and maintain that real-time nature, but also reach you know, essentially an unlimited number of users. And there's two huge things going on here. And one you've already referenced, which is social media, which can at the drop of a hat, essentially be a spoiler in moments like this. So, so how have you guys, I guess that's, that's really kind of part of the Genesis, right? That you're looking at this and going, wait a minute, like why is Twitter ahead of a live feed? That doesn't make any sense. You're exactly right. All, all, I mean, essentially they are, and, and almost all the social media is. Um, and what you're getting to your point is you're getting people that are getting tweeted and you're getting push notifications and texts and, you know, about plays, about goals. And, and, you know, one of the things that we, you know, we heard so much in the UK is, you know, because soccer, their, their version of football is so popular that people down the hall from them, you know, are hearing and cheering about a goal that they haven't yet seen. And it's, that's extremely frustrating. Um, so, you know, so what we've tried to do is, is basically solve those issues. There's one other factor that I want to point out because it's really important in terms of how you stream. And that is, there's a term called drift. Um, so if you and I were watching the Super Bowl on this platform, even the same device, same internet, everything was the same. 
you and I still would be at different times. In other words, you might be 25 seconds behind the field and I may be 45 seconds behind the field. And that drift between us, you know, kind of makes for, you know, does not make for a, an interactive experience. Because if I wanted to chat with you about something, I'd say, holy cow, Brian, did you see that catch? And if you haven't seen it yet, I've just ruined it for you. That's right. So what we did, you know, so we developed something called SyncWatch, which allows everybody to watch the content at the same time. So everybody's in sync and watching that content at the same time. So now you start talking about, you know, where does that come into play? And, and certainly if we're going to interact with each other, and I have a feeling you were going to touch on betting. Yes. Um, and, and that is really what, you know, where we're looking at here, because that is, that is where everything is going. That is where the future of streaming is going. That's where revenue is going. They're going to ultimately pass um, betting type legislation and especially for mobile, because that's what you really need. Um, and that is where you're going to start to see a really major sea change in terms of how this is. Yeah. I'll get into it in a moment. Cause I just, I have an aside, I think just for you, um, I call games for the Washington football team and we have run into the same problem and it was really interesting last year when we weren't traveling with the team because we were not because we weren't allowed to because of covid protocols we're calling games off of television feeds we had multiple feeds in our booth and they were all on different sinks and we had to one figure out which one is actually timed up to something live and then we would hear back from our listeners that we're not timed up to what they were watching on television. And it was, right. it was a, it was a unique educational experience in all of these incredible things that we can do to communicate with one another for some reason can't get on the same page. And imagine, um, so you're watching, you know, you might have a cable feed, you might have an over an air feed, you might have a satellite feed. All of them are different and all of them are behind the field of play. We don't, we don't measure our streaming from the broadcast because the broadcast is delayed. We measure our streaming from the actual field. And if you go to our website, there's a study that we just did on latency, and that's measured from the field of play. So where I think we came in at about 400 milliseconds, which is not even a half a second, and everybody else is, you know, way, 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 way behind that. So, you know, it's to your point, you're watching three, if you, even in your own house, if you go from your living room to your family room with the same game on, you might be a second off. And so that delay, even if it's that minor, you know, may not have an effect to you going from room to room, big deal. But imagine if you place a bet on a game. Yes. And now you have money on it. You know, then it's, then everything changes. Well, there's a lot of issues there because it's not just betting on them. It's in-game betting, which is where all of this is going to become um, imperative for broadcasters and betting providers. So I would assume that that is issue one here in terms of integrity, because you've got to be able to get as close to real-time live broadcasting happening, one, to implement the bets, and two, to ensure that they remain safe and that they aren't hacked by people that are ahead of the game. Yes, you're 100% right. So there's a there's a term called court siding, which is sort of, you know, developed because if you're sitting at the court and, you know, you see somebody score a goal, make a basket, whatever that might be, court is sort of the 
generic term for field, arena, whatever, you know, pitch. Um, and I'm at home. You could call me and say, hey, Chad, bet on, you know, uh, Neymar. He's going to score a goal in the next two seconds. And I could go ahead and make that bet. So that's, that's a big problem. That's starting to deal with the fraud issue. But if you're streaming in real time, then you can't make that call because I'm seeing it, even if you're at the stadium and I'm at home watching it on my mobile device, I'm watching it essentially at the same time you are. So that takes away all of that, those fraud issues, that court siding issues. So that integrity issue alone is enough of a reason to move to a real-time stream. Well, and the other part of it here is like, let's just assume that the betting operators aren't, you know, accepting bets in anything but literal real time from the arenas. But this would prohibit people from placing the bets, which defeats the purpose as well. If they can't actually, especially if you're going to do this in a fast moving game like basketball or hockey, where we're not talking about golf, where there's five minutes in between shots and you can place algorithms on what the odds would be for him to make a putt or whatever it may be. You want to bet on whether someone's going to make these free throws or this team's going to come back. You've got to be able to do it in a split second. And without the ability to get the live feed to an audience, that becomes an impossibility. That's exactly right. And, and you, you know, you've, you've, touched on, you've touched on probably the most impactful area that our technology can have. And that is on sort of what's been, you know, called the micro betting or micro wagering market where you're not necessarily on betting on, you know, will Steph Curry score more points in the fourth quarter than he did on the, in the third quarter. That's sort of the traditional in-play or in-game or prop bets. With our technology, you can bet, just as you said, Steph just got fouled. Will he make those free throws? And, you know, unless you're in real time, there's just no way you can, you know, you can switch fast enough um, to make that kind of a bet. But once you see the ability, once you have the ability to do that, then the amount of betting is going to, it's just going to dramatically increase. And the amount of engagement is going to increase because even if the game's a blowout and you can still bet on individual plays, you'll stay with the game that much longer. Yeah. So what, what you are providing here is a solution to retain engagement, which all of these leagues are dying to figure out ways to do in a competitive environment. And then secondarily, the betting markets in game will not exist. Not they won't function properly if everything's not in sync with one another. Hundred percent. And in fact, you know, at some point, or there is a point where the books have to stop taking the bets, right? Because they have to worry about the fraud elements, and they have to worry about you know what they can take and what they can't take. Um, but if you're streaming in real time, not only can you take bets up until the game starts, but just keep taking that. I mean, if you're watching a horse race, you can even take a bet, you know, midway through the race, you can say, well, wait a second, number seven is leading. I think number eight's going to come back and, you know, and take the lead or something like that. And you can bet right then and there around the next turn. Yeah. So it just, it really just changes the dynamics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does. Um, what's your background, Jed? Uh, I worked um, for many years in the music industry at, at Sony, and then I worked at the NFL for a number of years. Um, but for about the past uh, 12 or 13 years, I've been an entrepreneur. I've started a couple of companies. I sold one, uh, merged another, and I've been with Phoenix uh, about four and a half years. So at the NFL. I've always lived at sort of the, 
the media, the intersection of sort of media technology. Um, I want to go back to your NFL experience then for a moment, um, because it sounds like it was a period of time ago. Can you believe we're talking about in-game betting when we're talking about the NFL right now, how far we've come, like with content, with that league, that they're actually openly thinking about that right now? Well, I'll tell you, um, when I worked at the league, um, not only were we not allowed to bet, there was no, you know, fantasy on NFL.com. You know, the commissioner wouldn't allow it. The owners wouldn't allow it. Um, and now, to your point, you know, it's about the biggest business there is for all these leagues. I mean, fantasy is huge. It's turned into betting. You know, I mean, what FanDuel and DraftKings have done, you know, growing from the fantasy players to the betting operators is just it's remarkable. And you're right. Um, the NFL was not in that business when I was there. Um, all right. So I'll leave you with this. So as you speak to broadcast partners now, um, what do they tell you they need from your company to implement this and make this work for them? Well, the beauty about what we do is that we can integrate, you know, relatively quickly with anybody. So, you know, a lot of the conversations we have with the broadcasters and the leagues themselves are about, you know, is there a betting, you know, is there sort of an alternate betting feed or a second betting feed that we can start to create for these properties? NBA did it with BetStream as a test in the bubble. Um, something like that, I, I, I believe, will happen you know, at every one of the leagues. I think that you're going to have a situation where the fan can watch the game as they watch today. But then if they're more interested on the betting side, they can potentially have a second feed with betting odds and stats and you know, rotating graphics and whatnot that gives them this sort of real time stream. Maybe it's a premium product. Maybe it's just an alternate feed. Um, but I will tell you, you know, once you go to real time and see what it does, it's very hard to go back. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think there's a matter it, from the conversations we've had with the broadcasters. It's not a it's not an if they will move to real time. It's a when. Yeah. Yeah. This is an age old uh, dynamic in broadcasting. There's nothing like live. Really, actually right. live. Really live. Yep. Yeah. Really live. Jed Korthal is the CMO at Phoenix. Thank you so much for joining us, Jed. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. On the next Future Sport Podcast, Call of Duty continues to be a dominant force in the esports space. I think it was a very unique opportunity, not only for myself coming into the role, but for bringing a new type of experience to the marketplace that could bring potentially sophistication into esports culture from a formatting perspective, but also have, again, some of the most prominent personalities in gaming as the faces of this league in a way that could usher it more into the mainstream, potentially quicker and on the backs of a mega brand like Call of Duty. That's Johanna Ferris, head of leagues at Activision Blizzard, which is home to the Call of Duty League. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.